Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the podcast. We are in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Lots to unpack. We're going to talk about parable, specifically a wedding banquet parable, and just understanding how these stories, even though they are using common language and common imagery, they have um, the ability to give us a picture of something that is not common, something that we, you know, can understand in the kingdom, something maybe that's supernatural. And so we're just going to walk through the chapter, talk about what stuck out to us and uh wrap it up so thanks for joining us clark jump in when it comes to the parable of the wedding banquet (laughs) it kind of breaks down into three sections the first seven verses are talking about how there is going to be a judgment especially for those who mislead god's people a bad judgment okay uh secondly verses eight through ten jesus tells us Mm -hmm. with them out of the way here's who's going to replace you sure and then the last couple of verses here the requirements to enter the kingdom of god so mm-hmm. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Mm-hmm. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned the city. Hmm. A couple quick takeaways here. <laughs> one, there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a judgment, and we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. One, mm-hmm. in eternity with the Lord, or two, eternity away from the Lord, and then eventually into the wake of fire. Yeah. If you're a believer, though, judgment's a good thing. Because we want God to right all wrongs. He's given us the gift of repentance. Even if you're not a believer, but you've lived in a third world place and you have understood suffering and hardship, I think that was one of, those are formative things for me when I was um, in my early 20s, just doing some missions thing, understanding like, oh my, the mistreatment and the maltreatment of God's people all of, all yeah. over the world is, it is just appalling yeah and so for even for people who maybe don't understand jesus but they understand this isn't right what's going on to have you know scripture and the promise of scripture tell us that god is coming back and he is going to right all wrongs there is something peaceful in that and our american mindset doesn't want to hear it and uh yeah there is there is something that is peaceful in that and understanding the security in that that even though i'm not maybe able to have justice here on earth it's coming someday yahweh is coming and so it is a good thing and then it's also a good what i feel like you're doing the clark does this where he'll hold his breath and he'll prepare to talk like (sighs) i have something to say but my wife is still talking so i'm not gonna say it until she's done because i'm loving it was holding my breath you caught me (laughs) you keep going you're doing great you're i already forgot what i have to say (laughs) i was gonna say the reason why these people didn't want to come into the kingdom of god Right. It was because they they're want, so yeah. preoccupied with their nonsense stuff, like their yeah. own worldly things. Right. And it's not that like our worldly things can't be important or have some value, but it's underneath yeah. the Lord, the Lord's way, the kingdom in that order. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, hey, sorry, I'm, I'm working on my, Went my, to his my field. animal. I'm going to my field. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my working with my business. That's actually no different than us today. A lot of us can become infatuated with Disneyland or our trip to the river or the mountains. I can't come to church. I'm going to the lake, going to the beach, specifically those of us here in Southern California. There are so many options that it can be so tempting just to, 
like the frog in the kettle, get used to being in the situation, and eventually you find out yourself in a place of pain. You're like, how'd I get here? It's small decisions over time. It's been a journey. And here these yeah. people are like, I worked hard for this business. I'm going to work. I'm, I don't have time for worship. I don't have time for yes. the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus is like, okay, there, there's going to be a price. There's going to be a judgment to be had. Mm-hmm. And so in verses 8 through 10, he responds to the servants. He says, yep. to his servants, the wedding banquet's ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went mm-hmm. out to the streets and gathered all the people they could. And I love the next line. The the bad right. as well as the good. Mm-hmm. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Mm-hmm. Everybody's inviting the bad and the good. So what what's different about these people? Mm-hmm. It's their response to the invitation. Mm-hmm. It's them saying, I'm willing to come. Yeah. I want to come. And so the same is true throughout all the Gospels and a lot of the healings and all these bump-ins with the Pharisees right. and the Sadducees. The difference between those who get to experience God mm-hmm. and, and life with Him in the kingdom are those who know they need help. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And those who are like, no, sorry, I got to work. Sorry, I'm going on my second vacation. Sorry, I'm going to do this. Lord's like, you're missing out. And all these other people are invited in. Yep. Richer, poorer, men, women, boys, girls, sick, mm-hmm. healthy, uh, corrupt, um, or straight as an arrow. But if you can acknowledge that you need help and you did wrong, yeah, and you come into the kingdom, it's okay. You're welcome. And so you want to read verses 11 through 14? Yeah, us? let's pick it up. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness. For there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Talk about that. Well, this is a little different. Uh, I guess it's, I should say it's a little more on a larger scale compared to what we experience today. In an American wedding, sometimes in weddings, uh, the parents of the bride or groom will help the bridal party get clothes, like they'll help pay for their dresses or their suits. Right. Not always, sometimes. Back in the day, it was actually culturally expected and, and acceptable to provide clothes and linens for all of your guests everybody many mm-hmm. of your guests so if you came in there was a specific color mm-hmm. or a white linen or some kind of look that you're supposed to have to show that you belong there you've been invited and you're where you're supposed to be so in this story when you look at it there's clearly an imposter an imposter someone who, who snuck in and is claiming to be part of the, the church, the congregation, the flock, the festivities. Yeah. But they didn't really belong. They didn't be there. They weren't supposed to be there. So when you think about this in light of the rest of the Bible, when it talks about clothing ourselves, one of the things we believe mm. when it comes to the gospel is that when one repents and believes in what Jesus Christ has done, Jesus was sinless. He was holy. He was righteous, meaning he was inherently good. When we repent of our sins and acknowledge that we're not, but we believe in Jesus who is. Jesus' righteousness yeah. is applied to us. And, and especially Paul writes how we are then clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Mm. And so it's like when we show up before the Lord, God's right. going to look at you at this wedding banquet and see you're dressed in Christ. Yes. Christ is on you and in you. You belong. Mm-hmm. There'll be other people that maybe have pretended to be in the church, pretended to be a Christian, claimed to be a Christian, but did not have a relationship with God, did not truly repent and believe, right. and show up and they're an impostor. And God's going to go, you don't belong here. You're out. Mm -hmm. So some other scriptures, like Galatians 3. You want to read that? Verses 26 and 27. I do. So in Christ Jesus, you all are children of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed clothed yourselves with Christ. And then in Romans 13, Paul's speaking about judgment day here. You want to read verse 14? Please. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So when you understand Mm. the beauty of of the the Christian message, the gospel here, it's the, the blood of Christ and his righteousness washes over the sins of the believer and are applied to those who repent and believe. Yeah. It's that good. So this parable is beautiful. You show up and you're clothed in Christ, not because we're awesome, yeah. but because we're not, Christ is, and we believe in him. I love that. I think it's hard to understand, but I'm glad we walked through it. Yeah. I think that brings a lot of clarity. And I think that if, if you if you or me listening to this, we're, we're thinking, I'll, I'll wear whatever. Like, <laughs> Jesus, just put it on me. I want to belong. I'm with you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What happens next Keep is, going. again, yeah. people are trying to trick Jesus and get him into trouble. And so you'll notice that the, right. the Pharisees, and they teamed up with the Herodians. And the Herodians were kind Naughty. of a, a nasty group of people who were Jewish descent, but were also in with the Romans. And uh, Mm. I love how they open him up in verse 16, try to butter him up. Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity, that you plan to teach the way of God in accordance with truth. And then comes the snakish, misleading ways. (laughs) They're trying to trick him and figure out, like, hey, who are we supposed to pay taxes to? Mm -hmm. Uh, Verses 18 through 22, Jesus essentially says, give me a Mm -hmm. coin. Who's on one side? It's Caesar. So then give to Caesar. Caesar, What's Caesar's? Give to God. What's God's? Mm Mm-hmm. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is, one, I did not come to overthrow Rome. The battle that you and I have is much bigger than any kind yeah. of national um, boundary, war, war mm-hmm. any kind of imperial fight with governmental authority is much bigger. Two, the believers must still and submit their lives to earthly followers, earthly leaders. That's what yeah. Jesus is saying. Romans 13, submit mm-hmm. to government authorities. God put them there. As hard as that is to understand sometimes. Um, here he's saying pay taxes. It, it might be unfair. It might be higher in some areas than other. So you still got to pay your taxes. But then give everything to the Lord that is truly the Lord's. There's mm-hmm. this call to God. At this time, though, why this would be so painful. Some Jewish families were taxed immorally yeah. up to 50%. Oh. While Romans were had a different tax scale. Right. So you can imagine, like, again, the hatred it's and animosity painful. between these people. Yeah. Like, hey, pay your taxes. You owe us 12% and you owe us 50 You're like... Well, and that's exactly right why the Pharisees and the Herodians would be stirring the pot because they would know like this is a painful topic. If we get these people against Jesus, then maybe they'll they'll be on our side and then they'll raise up against him. And so, you know, Jesus, he sees right through it and he knows their hearts and he's able to answer in a way that maintains his mission, that he's able to continue walking, you know, toward the cross. Yeah. Kind of what happens next is they start throwing in more questions. And again, Mm -hmm. their intention's not pure. They're like, well, if someone dies... And then someone gets remarried and that what person dies wife? and they get remarried and they yes. die and they get remarried. Who are they going to be married to at the resurrection? Yeah. Ha, we stumped you, Jesus. And Jesus is just getting back at them because his reply is you're not even, your, your intention is wrong. And two, you don't even know the Bible. He's like, you don't know what you're talking mm. about here. And the reason why here is that Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe <laughs> in the spiritual realm or resurrection. Resurrection, right. So Jesus yep. puts back at them in verse 29 and says, you're an error. You don't mm-hmm. know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God. Sadducees can't speak to this because, you know, they don't believe they don't in this believe stuff. It. So s- stop trying to trick Jesus. As he talks about this, though, there's a couple of things where he explains how he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. Yes. And he talks about these angels here. What he's saying is humans are not going to be angels. Right. 
but we are going to be like them in the sense that procreation and giving to marriage aren't a necessary thing in in heaven anymore. Once we get there, it's going to be great. And it's not something that we should be worried about or preoccupied with here. It's Mm -hmm. only going to be amazing and good and great when we're with the Lord and with all the other believers in heaven. As hard as it is to imagine right now, there are going to be higher levels of intimacy and closeness than what earthly sex offers us now Yeah, in marriage, in heaven. Yeah. So when you're in heaven, if you're married, you've been intimate, you understand like this is a beautiful gift. This is a great thing. And in heaven, for single people and married people, for people of all ages, whatever, there's going to be even a, a more close intimacy with God and with other people probably that is godly, appropriate, and good than what, what sex can give you on earth. Right. It's like, whoa, that's hard to imagine. I think that's that's the key is hard to imagine those words because, you know, earth is, is broken and, and fallen. And so God gives us these good pictures of what is to come, mm. but there's still just a shadow of what is to come will be. And so one of the things as people who read this text or have questions that come up, I think one of the things we're able to rest in is it's not just our physical body. We're, we're going to come actually into wholeness into, I'm going to use this word tertiary beings. uh, Other people have used We're literally, we're at a higher level of consciousness of living because we're healed because we're whole because we're actually where we should be. We're in union with Yahweh, which if you flip all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis is where we started. And marriage is a picture of that union as broken as it is on earth so that we can kind of understand Jesus and the bride, that we can kind of understand this relationship with the Lord, but it still isn't perfect. And someday it will be. Mm -hmm. And even, even our questions, like even, so not just our physical body, but even that understanding of how it's possible while sometimes, you know, we live in the mystery and the tension right now, we won't because we'll know. And so I think that's one of those things that gives me a great deal of peace that as Jesus answers this, he understands, you know, their, their, um, the hypocrisy he understands the drama. He understands how they're trying to ensnare him and he still points them back to scripture. So I love that. Go back to scripture to help our understanding. And then he also, he gives them the assurance that while, you know, maybe there's things in scripture that are, are hard to live and understand, it's still me. I am the God of the living. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. I am. And so that's one of those things for me. I feel like just looking toward looking at Jesus, his ministry, his person again, where I'm able to have Mm. peace where, you know, because that's why Jesus came is to be able to give us a clear revelation, understanding of who God is and his heart. And so even in his way to explain these things, I'm so grateful that we can read them together, that we can have explanation. We can experience peace from the Prince of Peace. Yeah. He continues to kind of break down just scripture in the Old Testament and the teaching. So they they test him again. And in verse 35 and 36, this is what it sounds like. One of one of them an expert in the law. Ooh, so he's, he's really already, smart. you know, he's already kind of made some of the not experts put in their place. But now the experts, you know, one of them is testing him with a question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these Hmm. two. Interesting. Yeah. The worldly definition of love is often about self-pleasure, self-taking, self-promoting. 
I love food. Well, I it's love, definitely I, a feeling or emotion. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a feeling and emotion. Yeah. And I love these things because it makes me feel good. Yes. About myself. Um, and and I want you to feel good about yourself for one. But but when the Bible talks about love, yeah, it's a it's the opposite actually. It's like if you know what love is and have experienced it, love is self giving. Love is right. sacrificial. Love love is covenantal. Love is laying down one's life for the well-being and the betterment of somebody else. Yeah. And so God is the God who created all of this. Mm-hmm. He is the author and the definer of love. He showed us what it is. So he gets to he tell us what it is. John 15, verse 13, Jesus says this. Mm. In the midst of like the vine and the branches and all this conversation, mm-hmm. he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeah, one commentator defines it, and this has hung on to me. I think you did a, a wedding years ago, and they I think they requested, or you talked about Corinthians and kind of the, is that Corinthians 13? Yeah. And how love, you know, there's a list of like, you know, this is what love looks, this is what love looks like. But really the underlying definition of all of those things is love wills the good of another. Mm-hmm. And so the picture of that is so counterculture right now with what love is. It's actually like people talk about that, how it's a verb. It's something you do. And when you've lived a little bit, we haven't, you know, we're just getting to middle life. We're joking about that. But when you've lived a little bit and you've, you've been blessed and able to experience that, someone who has literally willed your good when it's been painful, when it hasn't yeah. felt good, when it, whether it's a parent or a mentor or a coach, when someone has done that, you see glimpses of God the Father. You do. In that's how I feel this definition is giving us a picture of what whether it's loving your neighbor. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yes, whether it's loving your neighbor as yourself or whether it's serving, because these are reflecting, you know, those commandments in Exodus, the commandments that we get, so not stealing, not committing, those all fall under that category of loving other humans. The purpose of that, I really do think, is because, like you said, God created it. And yeah. so it is to reflect him. It's not about our own feeling or fluffiness. Um, it makes sense, right, that the author would get the glory and the recognition and the validation. And yeah. so when that happens, willing the good of another, when you've experienced that, when you've seen that, when you do that, it's not you that gets the glory, it's God. Yeah. Because of who he is and how he's written it into into being. Yeah. Love and it. Th- thank you for sharing that. Mm, you are so welcome. Oh. You're so welcome. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it go. up. As the, the story ends here the, from this chapter, the Pharisees are talking about yep. like whose mm-hmm. son is the Messiah, who is the son of David. And Jesus, mm. again, knows scripture better than them. He goes back and looks at the scripture that he's talking about. And what he says here is that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David. He is going to be a descendant of David, but also that he has preexisted before David. And that mm. is Jesus. That's his point right. here. And so just one final thought as we end. This chapter, more than many others, I want you to go back and just look at all the different people yeah. that Jesus interacted with in these few verses, 46 verses. Mm. He was going back and forth with the disciples of the Pharisees, with the Pharisees themselves, with the experts of the law, mm-hmm. with the Sadducees, with the crowds, with the Herodians, with his own disciples. One of my biggest mm. takeaways here is Jesus is in the middle of it all with all kinds of people. Yeah. So I want to encourage you, be the same. I hope you have friends of people in different backgrounds. I hope you're engaging with your neighbor. I hope that you are befriending your uh, 
child's teammates, parents, or whatever it is. Like make (laughs) friends, talk to them. Jesus was constantly involved with people of all different backgrounds while he stuck to the course and the mission that God called him to. Hmm. Because if you go back to the first parable, the the wedding banquet, God's looking for people who want to come and need help. And there are people in your life who I think the the spirit's stirring and they're, they're ready the harvest is ripe. The workers are few, but we're workers. We're going to go speak of Jesus today. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Uh, God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow for a little bit more on the Gospel of Matthew. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.